A world had collapsed around this man, a world that would never shout his praises again. The burned-out cities were still and dead, the twisted bodies and twisted souls giving him their last salute in death. And now he was alone, alone, surrounded by memories, alone and waiting. There were four men in the lifeboat that came down from the space cruiser. Three of them were still in the uniform of the Galactic Guards. The fourth sat in the prow of the small craft, looking down at their goal, hunched and silent. Bundled up in a greatcoat against the coolness of space, a greatcoat which he would never need again after this morning. The brim of his hat was pulled down far over his forehead, and he studied the nearing shore through dark lens glasses. Bandages, as though for a broken jaw, covered most of the lower part of his face. He realized suddenly that the dark glasses, now that they had left the cruiser, were unnecessary. He slipped them off. After the cinematographic graze his eyes had seen through these lenses for so long, the brilliance of the color below him was almost like a blow. He blinked and looked again. They were rapidly settling toward a shoreline, a beach. The sand was a dazzling, unbelievable white, such as had never been on his home planet. Blue the sky and water, and green the edge of the fantastic jungle. There was a flash of red in the green as they came still closer, and he realized suddenly that it must be a marigee, a semi-intelligent Venusian parrot once so popular as pets throughout the solar system. Throughout the system, blood and steel had fallen from the sky and ravished the planets, but now it fell no more. And now, this. Here in this forgotten portion of an almost completely destroyed world, it had not fallen at all. Only in some place like this alone was safety for him. Elsewhere, anywhere, imprisonment, or more likely, death. There was danger even here. Three of the crew of the space cruiser knew. Perhaps someday one of them would talk. Then they would come for him, even here. But that was a chance he could not avoid. Nor were the odds bad, for three people out of a whole solar system knew where he was, and those three were loyal fools. The lifeboat came gently to rest. The hatch swung open, and he stepped out and walked a few paces up the beach. He turned and waited, while the two spacemen who had guided the craft brought his chest out and carried it across the beach and to the corrugated tin shack just at the edge of the trees. That shack had once been a space radar relay station. Now the equipment that it held was long gone, the antenna mast taken down. But the shack still stood. It would be his home for a while, a long while. The two men returned to the lifeboat, preparatory to leaving. And now the captain stood facing him, and the captain's face was a rigid mask. It seemed, with an effort, that the captain's right arm remained at his side, but that effort had been ordered, no salute. The captain's voice, too, was rigid with unemotion. Number one, silence. 
and then less bitterly. Come farther from the boat before you again let your tongue run loose. Here, they had reached the shack. You are right, number... No, I am no longer number one. You must continue to think of me as Mr. Smith, your cousin, whom you brought here for the reasons you explained to the under-officers before you surrender your ship. If you think of me so, you will be less likely to slip in your speech. There is nothing further I can do, Mr. Smith, 